Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to the Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by our tactics guy and my safe seat, Nathan E. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> Hello, mate. How are you doing, Nathan? Um, uh, worried about safe seats, basically, but otherwise yeah. pretty good to yourself. L- L- Nathan, no one has tuned into this podcast to listen to you talk about politics. They only want to hear about football, okay? <laughs> Sorry. So if you could just stick to the Wolves game, that would be great. I'm surprised by how little flack I got on Twitter because I was political for about two and a half days and I was expecting to get a lot of abuse for it. So, uh, yeah, that's over now, I think. I, I dipped my toe in the water very briefly with uh, one tweet about Boris Johnson <laughs> and the response that that tweet got told me that that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, so let's talk about the Wolves game. Um, what, did, what did you make of it? Firstly, it, I, I found it torch, torturous to watch. Uh, how did you find the game? Yeah, I mean, talking about getting abuse on Twitter, I tweeted at half time my disappointment with the game, and I received um, a lot of backlash from Spurs fans who were happy uh, because we were winning at half time, and then came to me afterwards once we'd won to say, "Look, uh, you know, the performance must have been good because we won." And uh, I'm just bitter about Pochettino. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought it was really bad. I thought we were an absolute mess. I thought we didn't deserve to win that game. Um, I I think that Wolves are good, definitely you know decent, a strong side. But like, I I don't think that we should be like clinging on for dear life because we're away to Wolves. And I think that that's maybe that's a bit harsh, but that's kind of our, that was kind of our approach to that game. But. Our away record is horrendous. It's true. It's th- this season. Our, our away record in the league is legit horrendous. Like uh, we've only won two, and they they've both come under Jose Mourinho. Uh, Wolves are a, a very good team. They've been in good form. Uh, they've got good players, and we beat them. I think they've only I think they've only lost once at home. I want to say this year. Um, so there's something to be said for that, isn't there? Yeah, but like, is the floor really where things ended under Pochettino, or did we bring in Mourinho to like save us from relegation, or or are we are we not aspiring to something better than that? Obviously, like any improvement is an improvement, but like, I just if if this is a stage we have to go through to like 
get things back together and, and then like invest in the squad and generally like fair enough I'm being overly harsh things have improved you know we're we're finding our way to get through games but my worry always with Mourinho from the start was that like we would transition into becoming this dull team who played dull football and squeaked out some results but not enough to to match our ambitions and this appeared to be a confirmation of that now yeah like I'm saying maybe this is just what we have to go through now and things will pick up but I it, it does this doesn't give me confidence that that is the direction we're heading in I think that that is a very reasonable point and the the style of play that we we chose to attempt to to run out was not attractive on the eye um but I do feel I need to remind you that he's only been in charge for three weeks um it's felt like longer because a lot has happened in that time. We played a lot of games actually in that time, uh, but it is three weeks. And the fact that we played a lot of games means that there's been very limited time on the training ground. Um, and when when you look at the game kind of holistically, although I thought we were the lesser team, I thought Wolves dictated play very, very well. They kind of had us on the ropes at times. They didn't actually create a great deal. And even in a goal um, was a bit of a pot shot. Like it was a great, don't get me wrong, great finish from Adama Traore, a really, really good strike but that's the kind of goal that you're not going to concede too many from across the season that's true and like as much as we allowed Wolves to pin us in our own defensive thirds and shell crosses at us they were very ineffective with crosses or you could say we did defend those crosses very well and deny them access to the middle the thing with the like it's only been three weeks you're absolutely right but it like for me it's like the peak of that three weeks was the first game and it's been a gradual decline since and we've played with less of the ball in each game since it's like yeah it's only been three weeks imagine how negative we'll be in like six weeks time you know yeah yeah i mean it's, it's hard to hard to disagree with that um but we've won what six five five out of seven i think we've won um and at this point, at this point, results do feel like the most important part. Um, and I, I'm willing to give Mourinho a, a free pass at least until the end of January. And if if performances don't get better by that point, I'll start be like, I'll, I'll, I'll join your um, I'll join your side of the argument and be happy to say yes, I'm disappointed with the style of play and the fact that we've kind of gone back on this wonderful style we we were attempting to play beforehand. Um, let's talk at some specifics in this game. Firstly, what did you make of a lineup? Were you, were you pleased when you saw the starting eleven? Um, I wasn't like horrified by it. Uh, in fact, uh, if we want to look at the Burnley game. I know we're going to talk about that later, but it's the same eleven if we played against Burnley. And when I mm. saw that, I was worried about the Darwin Sissoko midfield, but we played over that midfield really effectively. Mm. So uh, seeing that same eleven again, I was sort of like, well, okay, fine. Let, you know, let's keep trying out this midfield if that is the way that we can be defensively effective, which has been a, a huge problem for us this season. Um, fair enough. But then the the general no change at all thing is like, well, didn't Eriksen perform brilliantly against Bayern Munich? Didn't you know Sessegnon show so much promise against Bayern Munich? Like, what is the point of? Uh, no, that's that's too harsh, isn't it? Um, I would like to have seen um, some suggestion that as soon as you play well against Bayern Munich, you then get uh, a go at the first eleven. I'd say Foyth was probably the one. Yeah. That I that I felt that about. I I I, I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, I I didn't think he'd play Foyth because I think Sanchez has also done well. True. But I thought if he was going to bring someone in, then it might be Foyth or it might, maybe even Sessegnon. 
Um, I, I was actually surprised. It was the, the first time that we've played and had an unchanged eleven mm. in the Premier League since March two thousand and seventeen. So that's that's something. I mean, that's notable. I think for a starting point. Um, and, and I was quite surprised that he ran out the Dio Sissoko midfield again, particularly after his comments about Sissoko uh, <laughs> yeah. probably not being uh, one of a double pivot in midfield. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to. Yeah, the 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 unchanged eleven thing, oh, the changed eleven thing was a was a stick used to beat Pochettino. But all that underlines to me is that like there were squad issues that, and there were a constant chain of injuries and. And all that kind of stuff. Um, I, there is definitely some positivity in like seeing that um, consistency dis- despite the performance and I guess with the result. Um, yeah, I don't know. There is this big defensive hole in our midfield and, and it might not be unreasonable to say the only way that we can plug that up with is with Dyer and Sissoko. But then it, that is so that appears to be so limiting to us for our ability to, to play with the ball. I personally thought this was a game for Winks in midfield, and I probably would have started Sissoko uh, wide, which meant that I wouldn't have played Lucas, who ended up scoring a worldie, frankly. It was a fantastic goal from Lucas. And I thought I was quite critical of Lucas, particularly in the first half. I thought he had a much better second half and won us some useful free kicks high up the pitch with his uh, with his good first touches and, and the fact that he was trying to turn players and, and do stuff. And the problem with our midfield, and I think this was obvious, was that we didn't know how to pass the ball, frankly. We've we'd become so used to, uh, under Mourinho, Alderweireld becoming the playmaker, or, or, or Aurier on the right being almost the playmaker, that we've given up trying to play through midfield. And that was so apparent against Wolves. Every time we had the ball, um, we were very kind of progressive in our, in our tactics, I want to say. Like, Dyer and Sissoko just weren't taking any risks. People say that Winks is a sideways passer, but, I mean, Dyer yeah, and Sissoko right. went backwards so often. Yeah, it, but yeah, you, that's such a spot on point. The amount of criticism Winks has got for his like negative passing when he's like by far like out of the three of those, like so much more adventurous and, and brave um, and, and bold and creative. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a very valid and, and point. I, I think the fact that the word you use there, which which chimes with with me the most, is brave. Uh, Winks will take the ball, and don't get me wrong, he's made mistakes, but he will take the ball under pressure. Uh, that that first game against Bayern when we got destroyed, Winks did not still, even when we were getting destroyed, he did not shy away from taking the ball under pressure and trying to progress it. Um, Dyer and Tosoko against Wolves would take the ball under pressure and pass it straight back to the centre-backs or the goalkeeper and then it would go long and we'd lose it. You need someone in midfield and Ndombele is hopefully going to be that guy who will yeah. happily have it with two men running his way, turn, get it under, get it under control quickly, turn and move it on. Dyer and Sissoko were incapable or unwilling to, to do that in this game. I think both Dyer and Sissoko are much better once the ball is in front of them and it comes back yeah. to them and they're facing forwards. Dyer can pick out a pass in those situations and that's an opportunity that gives Sissoko to, to run into. But receiving on the term is really limiting for both of them. I agree, and it's because in Dyer's case, he's got a really awful turning. <laughs> like a like a shipping tanker, like a. It's awful. Oh man! And in Sissoko's case, it's a that sort of lack of awareness, of neat technical yeah. ability, and an awareness of what's going on around him. Um, yeah, obviously they both have their strengths in other ways, and I think Dyer actually did some really good, def- really good defensive yeah. work in this game. Like he was helping Vertonghen out a lot with Traore, helping double up on that side, and I kind of admired that from Dyer. And I, I, I wouldn't say that, um, like. 
we, we've, I'm happy to say that Wolves dominated us because they did, but they, they didn't create a great deal because Dyer and Sanchez and Alderweireld and Vertonghen were all there heading the ball away. So there was some good, resolute defensive play. It's just the fact that we couldn't progress the ball to our, our front players effectively. That's true. I think that's a good point on, on Dyer's performance because, like, recycling back to, like, our approach to the game as well, like, if we just need to get through a period of time where either it's January and we can buy a defensive midfielder, or by that point we've managed to get Eric Dyer match fit, and therefore we aren't in such a desperate need, then, and it, and and this game being an example of, of a trend with that, that Dyer, you know, we talked about the Brighton game on this podcast, and you said the ball, like, was bouncing off Eric Dyer, so he's obviously yeah. come some way in that time, and it's just, like, playing him through the games, forcing a result, getting Dyer to play consecutive football matches to the point where he looks like a professional footballer again and then and then like actually trying to become a football team with a defensive midfielder. So that that's I think that's fair when you look at it in those combinations. And and the sad thing is that Dyer probably should have been playing under twenty three football for yeah. a month yeah. prior to coming back in the team and that's on Pochettino for not doing that. He he needed that sharpness, he still needs that sharpness, he's still coming getting back into the swing of it. He looks heavy to me still, he looks really overweight, he doesn't look like his kind of old, much more chiselled self. Um he's gonna take him some time. It really he's been out for a long, long while. He's had this appendicitis and a reaction afterwards. It's it's going to take him a while to get back to where he was. I mean, don't get me wrong. Even at his absolute peak, Dyer is not world class. He's not going to be no. in our top five players. He's probably not even going to be in our top eight players. But he's and like when he was at his best, he was a very effective Premier League midfielder, and he can do a job in, in holding midfield. Um, I mean, I still think we need to sign a defensive midfielder, but he's not awful. It's just that he looks so bad because he's been out for so long, um, and, and just looks so big and clumsy and awkward. Um, but like I, I, I'm happy enough for us to just carry on playing him for the time being. Do you feel the same? Yeah, and I, I think that that is something that Pochettino should have done before. Is is just. Again, he you know he wasn't able to find the results, so, and so it, it becomes very difficult to continue to play Eric Dyer when when the results aren't coming your way. But I think from a long term perspective, um, yeah, you have to find a way to create some semblance of a defensive midfielder, and really, Eric Dyer was the only option there. Absolutely. So, so our team shape for this game was slightly different. So Sissoko played to Dyer's right, and Delhi effectively played to Dyer's left. Were you surprised to see Delhi drop back into midfield? Um, I I feel like that was probably um more like the circumstances than than like a than a, we're going to play four three three in this game. Um, really? Okay. I mean, I I know I noticed it quite early on that um when we were sort of setting up. Delhi was really deep, and he was getting forward quickly. the The instruction to me seemed to be: you start deep, and then when yeah. we're countering, you get forward quick. Um, but for me, it was notable that he was basically playing in a three man midfield. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm open to that that interpretation. And I thought Vertonghen didn't play the kind of hang back role quite so much. It was much more of a kind of uh, more symmetrical. Yeah, um, yeah, I see that back back four, uh, which was which was slightly surprising. Son had absolutely no joy, really, did he on on his side? Uh, but Lucas did. He obviously scored that wonderful goal. Yeah. Um, what did you make of Lucas's performance? Well, he was my man of the match. I think that he led all of it. So. Uh, the the tactical change for me at half time was that we focused our counter attacks being more individual instead of trying to link passes together, and I think that's probably because of the way that that Wolves press in quite a man orientated way. 
So rather than, than trying to find a quick combinations, you quickly beat your man. And that is obviously close control in tight areas, you know, ridiculous change of direction. That's Lucas all over. So he scored that brilliant goal again with ridiculous change of direction. And then he, he enabled us to, to be in the game in the second half with his, his dribblings from deep areas. Yeah, he, I mean, I, I, again, I say it again, I was very critical of him in the first half. I, I thought he turned it on in the second and he was very, very useful. And his goal was just fabulous. There was no space for him to take a proper backlift for that shot. And the power he generated was just incredible. On top of the fact that he'd dribbled past a man as well, it was, it was really great. Um, on on the opposite flank to Lucas was Adama Traore. <laughs> it's a player you find fascinating for good reason. Um, I mean, Vertonghen tried really hard to stick to his job and has had some success, but Traore was a thorn in our side, wasn't he? I tweeted before the game that, like, I, you know, I looked at the, the lineups and saw that, that it looked like Troy was going to play on the right. And I thought, oh, God, he's going to be up against Vertonghen. So I tweeted, like, um, like this is a battle that we have to prevent from happening. Uh, and we absolutely didn't. And Troy got past him time and time and time again and got inside him a couple of times and got the shot off against him because Vertonghen wouldn't go up to pressure him because why would you go up to pressure him? Troy he'll cook you. Um, yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's a real enigma of a footballer. He's he's completely athletically unique um, in the as far as I'm concerned. The entire history of the sport, um, not like technically terrible with his his passing and shooting, um, but like a, a poor decision. He's 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 really strange uh, and incredible. He's uh, he is something else. <laughs> I, I he he's not always effective because. Either his decision making lets him down, or his his final ball lets him down. But I don't think I've ever seen a player better at just isolating and beating a man. It is insane how easy he finds it to beat his man. Um, he's he's just great to watch. He's really entertaining to watch. They're a good team wolves. I I I enjoy watching them to be honest. And I noticed that all the um the neutrals were saying that the match was great. Like I actually found it horrendous I hate to watch. It. it was awful. Um, I can understand I, why it would be enjoyed as, as a neutral, but I I I hated it. <laughs> the, the the other thing is there was lots of like cynical fouls to stop counterattacks, yep. mainly from Wolves, but certainly from a few from us as well. Um, so we in my head, I was thinking four this yellows is not on yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we were just choosing a different player to take him down each time by the end. It got to that. Um, yeah, really strange game, but obviously huge amounts of joy at the end. When Ericsson comes on, has two touches, one is a free kick, then he takes a corner and Vertonghen heads home from a penalty spot. Uh, that is notable because Ericsson does or didn't take many corners where he aimed for the penalty spot. That has all changed, has it not? Yeah, so um, lo and behold, a new manager comes in with different instruction from the set pieces and suddenly Ericsson can beat the first man. Um, you know, So it looks very much like the instruction all along for Ericsson was to aim to that near edge of the six-yard box with a flat delivery uh, again and again and again at every corner. And, you know, teams know it's coming and they put their tallest player there and then he heads it away and everyone goes, this Ericsson, he's terrible at taking set pieces. Why is he always taking them? It's like, well, look at his ability to deliver the ball in open play. Look at his direct free kicks. Okay, he hasn't scored in quite a while, but you know, his ability to get them on target, his his scoring history back in the past. Look at his indirect delivery from distance where he puts it across or does the one where you aim it so that it's on target so the keeper has to worry about the on target providing of an indirect free kick that can also go off ahead. All of this kind of stuff. He can obviously deliver a ball. The reason he was hitting first man every time is because of of our lack of planning at set pieces and his instructions. 
So he was doing what he was told, which is uh, good team play. It's kind of what you'd expect. Uh, the problem being that the choice to constantly put the ball in at the near post and us consistently being ineffective at scoring from those positions was a, was a bad one in hindsight. Um, I guess the reason for wanting to find the near post is because if you get something on it, you've got a high chance of scoring. Yeah. Um, obviously, the way we're taking set pieces now, it's something I blogged about the other day briefly, is if you know if you put the ball in in the danger area, so to speak, you're, you're playing the percentage. You're hoping that someone can and just get on the end of it and, and create something and that ball asked an awful lot from Vertonghen yeah it was not an easy ball to head but my word did he pick out a fine header so I think he uh Vertonghen was a Dharma's man and like it's funny that like after cooking Vertonghen like 95 minutes and just roasting him again and again that of course Adama then just switches off at a set piece and lets it his man go and track a ball that goes slightly backwards that Adama Troy was paying no attention to. I would also recommend a rewatch of the goal, uh, focusing entirely on Matinho because it is absolutely hilarious to watch how he uh, checks over his shoulder, realizes Vertonghen's about to head head the ball unchallenged, and then just swings the boot wildly, uh, trying to get rid of the ball. It was that's yeah, how I defend set scene. pieces on five. Yeah. And everyone hates me for it. So. Always go with your foot. Yeah. Not a natural header of the ball. Not me, not me. I'm worried about those uh, sub-concussive blows. I watched that Alan Shearer documentary before it ever existed when I was a child. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to shock you. I'm, I'm, I'm quite brave. To <laughs> no, you're that. not. I'll, I'll, I'll chuck you my head You are kidding stuff. no one I, with I, that. I, I, I know, with, with this pretty face, you wouldn't <laughs> expect me to be too brave. Uh, I actually took a full-on goalkeeper punch to the face uh, in, in Seven Aside once, uh, putting my head where it matters to clear the danger for my team. Uh, and my own goalkeeper punched me. Nice, <laughs> nice. Black eye? Um, no, actually, just a slightly bruised cheekbone. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Uh, we should talk about Bayern Munich as well. Obviously, we lost heavily again. For me, this was like a training match. <laughs> yeah, I I was expecting Bayern to treat it like a training match as well, but they put out like eight or nine of their first eleven and um, and didn't try in the first half very much, which was nice because we got to see some of our fringe players and young players and previously sidelined players get some fun minutes and involvement and then in the second half Bayern Munich that they wanted to win this match and so they just battered us. What were the highlights from a kind of Spurs player perspective for for you? Um, I think I think they're going to be obvious but you you go first and say what who who impressed you the most? Yeah, well we, we've mentioned uh Foyt who who you were impressed with and Mourinho mentioned after the match. I was really pleased to see Eriksen perform well because I think that he 
gives us something that we don't have in what is now our first eleven, having seen it two weeks in a row. And uh, obviously, Sessegnon, full of promise, got the goal. Um, really lovely movement, uh, far post stuff, arriving at the right time, uh, first time shots. Um, yeah. I did not like how much we ignored Sessegnon's runs. Uh, he was making some great runs, particularly in the first half, and just totally ignored. Um, I also really liked Skip's little cameo at the end. Mm. I thought I thought he looked great when he came on. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout. Um, freshness really helped him with that because it was it was all about liveliness and action and, and getting involved in that way. Um, but still, still good to see it from him. On the other hand, really, really disappointing showing from both fullbacks, Walker Peters and Rose. Um, I, I would be a little less critical of Walker Peters simply because he hasn't played. <laughs> that doesn't a sound like you. Match. <laughs> I know, right? He just hasn't played any football match at any level for a long yeah, time. So, yeah. kind of what do we expect? But he was he was so timid, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I, in the first sort of fifteen minutes, I thought he had a couple of moments where he looked nice on the ball, but then defensively, he was just not with it, was he? And then he had one in the second half where uh, he had like two men on him, and he managed to dribble past somehow both of them and carry the ball away. And I think Genus was in Coventry, and he was like, "Oh, well played." He was like genuinely really impressive that Walker Peters managed to get out of that on skate. Um, but yeah, he he didn't show the kind of personality on the pitch that you'd want to see from a player pushing for his place. And I think we just have to accept that he'll be gone mm. in, in January or the summer. Um, and Rose on the other side was just horrendous. Yeah, it was, it was not a good showing from Rose at all. Rose always needs like a string of games to get going he doesn't normally come back very sharp and obviously being second choice now um he's not going to perform very well when he gets the occasional game so uh, probably his time at Spurs is coming to an end as it has been for a few years ever since he complained about having to google signings basically <laughs> speaking of uh signings that Oy. some people need to google uh Le- Celso um was pretty disappointing I thought as well I thought it was okay he didn't light it up or anything but I he was getting uh, quite a bit of criticism and I thought that he was not that bad just not inspirational either he to me i i I like him as a player very much Mm. he's someone i I liked before he joined us uh but he looks a million miles off being ready to play regular premier league football like in terms of fitness and sharpness and the speed of thinking that um is required in in the premier league um it's he's going to take some bedding in it's really frustrating because it was like he was like building up his game time putting together games getting full matches getting towards the point where he uh, getting off the bench under pochettino like building up, building up, building up, and then Pochini got sacked, and it's like he had to Lacelso reset and had to start from the bottom and 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 build it all up again under Mourinho. And it's like we're not gonna see Lacelso actually starting games into like the new year. Um, so maybe, maybe over Christmas with the hectic schedule, I guess. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's frustrating that he'll essentially have spent half a season at least getting ready to play football when he's like technically he's on loan yeah and and i didn't realize that there is still a chance that we could not sign him i i i thought um that we had an obligation to buy but it's only an obligation if we qualify for the champions league if we finish fifth we don't have to buy him um i mean i i want i want to spy him he's a good he's a good player a very good player and he will add something to our squad particularly if ericsson leaves as expected um so it'd be madness not to buy him i think at this point um the the thing is if we'd bought him permanently and it was just a done deal and it was all sorted you'd feel much more relaxed about yeah. the fact that he might take a year to bed in because it's like a try before you buy year almost it's very hard to feel relaxed about it i mean i remember son taking a long time to settle yep. obviously he's amazing now but he wasn't amazing to start with he was uh he found it tough when he first came he couldn't last certainly like 60 minutes was enough for son at the start um it took him a long long time to get even to be able to play 70 minutes 
Um, so players do take a long time to adjust to Premier League football. It's just the nature of the, the game here. It's, it's difficult. Um, so to have the Celso not tied down is a slight concern to me. Yeah, you do worry like how much power he has in his decision to make this a permanent signing and how he'll feel about joining this club as he, if he's been like just on the fringes the entire time because that's essentially why he left PSG is because he wanted to be a first eleven player. Um, so that's slightly worrying. But yeah, the Sun comparison is is a a good one because like after the first year of Sun being at Tottenham, the discussion around him was that he was like a commercial buy to win rounds yeah. the Korean audience and a useless player. And, and now he's one of the Premier League's best players. Absolutely. Just give him time, basically. Um, yeah, don't make snap judgments on, on players. Uh, the standard standard outcome from that, that discussion. Um, Sessignon as well, I think now, has cemented his place on the bench at least, which is a good thing, because I, I, I do feel that he's a player that can genuinely change a game, even with just the fact that he's really, really fast. And he plays with such, because he's got such good technique, it allows him to be very direct because he doesn't get the ball lost in, in amongst his feet. He's got it like he, his dribbling style is really good and really effective and allows him to commit defenders. And I think that could be a game changer for us over Christmas. Are you excited about Sesson? I'm really excited about Sesson Young. Uh, the buying game really helped bring back that excitement because like, I've been excited about Sesson Young for a few years and then like mm, um and then like to see him at Tottenham was really exciting like wow he signed this this brilliant kids that I, I, I've been keen on for a long time and then sort of dissipated because he was injured and then not involved and then both managers have said well he's probably not going to play fullback for quite a while and I do maintain that that is the the most exciting um a potential for Sesson Young is that he can eventually, uh, hopefully not that eventually, but sooner rather than later, move into becoming um, uh, a left back who has an incredible attacking upside because I think that that is a special, a special player. I thought it was interesting that Mourinho actually addressed uh, the the inversion of our fullback tactic in the in the press conference. So he said that were Foyth to play, Foyth could play a kind of withdrawn right back role, yep. which could open. The opportunity for Sessegnon to play essentially as a left winger on the on the opposite side. I found that interesting. We've spoken before about this, and the downside of that is that Son is better as the the furthest outside winger on the left. That's like where you get the best out of Son. So either switching on to the right or having him as an inside forward on the left. I, I don't think they're the the prime roles for him. And why would you move like your best player? <laughs> basically, uh, just to accommodate Foyth and Sessegnon. So, like, I don't see that happening anytime yep. soon, unless we want to rest Son over Christmas, but it's nice to have that option. And you prefer Delhi in the left half space and the right half space, and Lucas is probably better inside using his close control rather than on the touchline. Um, As is Sissoko. Yeah, same for Sissoko. So, you... you. I mean, there are, like, players we could rearrange and ways to make that happen, but I do think generally this team, as it has done for years, sort of leans over towards the left-hand side of the pitch. Yeah, fully agree. Fully agree. So I think we'll probably stick with what we've had. Um, although having said that, like three games in six days over the Christmas period, four games in like nine or something, it's it's pretty intense. We're, we're going to have to make some changes, right? Um, well, so something yes, but something we talked about before was how like the 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 change in our approach to fitness, not like a drastic change, but the tweaking of our approach to fitness means that. We won't be in the situation where we we can't like a fullback can't play twice in a week anymore. So I don't think we'll see like the entire eleven switching around between every game. Fair, fair. I remember um, Mourinho's Chelsea playing like uh, four games in seven days or something ridiculous in in the year that they won the title, and there wasn't a huge amount of rotation in that uh, tiny amount of time. Okay, so he just stuck to pretty much the same. 
not completely stuck, but like you, 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 yeah, sort of fifteen players. Um, it might have been something like five games. No, it can't be that much. Anyway, whatever. I'll, I'll try and find it out because it was like I remember at the time it was like ridiculous. Interesting. Um, we haven't actually spoken since the Burnley game where we won five nil and played beautifully. It, was there anything that kind of caught your eye aside from the amazing goals from everyone? Uh, <laughs> was there anything that, like tactically that caught your eye in that game? Yeah, I, I think Mourinho got that one spot on. Um, and again, that's easy to say looking at the scoreline, but like, um, like I said before, I, I was worried about the midfields of of Dyer and Tissot, and I and I said before the game that I don't think this is the right midfield for this game, even though it does have some like defensive promise and its ability to provide control, but no creativity. And then we we just played over the top of that midfield and Burnley's midfield, and um, it's so easy to like. Um, think of Burnley and picture Burnley as this like low block team because they they definitely do do that but they will also um, start their like disruption from much higher up the pitch than than it's easy to think of and I think we did a really good job of like drawing them out even higher than they wanted to be drawing them into places where they're uncomfortable and then playing over the top where they're like their defensive line isn't comfortable being that high and and then they're too spaced out to win the second ball and stuff like that. And I think that that's how we completely undid Burnley. That was a really um, sort of like a a, a Rogers Swansea thing where you play, you start off with your deep possession completely unthreateningly to draw the opposition into uncomfortable areas and then play over the top of them. And um, yeah, we we got that spot on. But and, other teams aren't dare, going to do, let us play that way. Sure, and, and dare I say, against a team with a midfield as unambitious as Burnley, you can afford to essentially give Sissoko a free role and use him as an overload player. So he was just—he he was doing what Sissoko does best. This is literally his biggest strength, and that is knowing exactly when to join the attack and, and scaring hell out of defences by running at them with significant pace causing overloads, um, causing them to not know who to mark and causing chaos. And it worked beautifully. Scored a goal again. A really good goal as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that that is Soko is best. I personally still don't like Soko in central midfield, but I think that game is the kind of game where I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and there remains like a case, like we maybe did see against Wolves, where he plays in a three-man midfield where he can play... Um, that sort of more up and down role. Um, I, I do think Burnley had their attacking moments in that game. Uh, again, it was it was crossing based because that is their style of playing, and we did a decent job of limiting their threat from those crosses. But we are we are seeing our team concede a lot of crosses in in multiple games. The the one thing I'd say about the Burnley game, um, which would like urge caution in terms of getting overexcited was the fact that the midfield was horrend- absolutely horrendous. So Jeff Hendrick, who played in central midfield that game. Uh, generally plays as a as a wide man for Burnley because he's he's incapable of playing in a midfield too. And they had um, Ashley Westwood injured, so they played Jack Cork and Jeff Hendrick in the centre of the midfield, and they just could not function at all. They couldn't control the game. They couldn't cope with uh, with our players getting in behind them. And you know, fair enough, Mourinho got that one right, like you said, and uh, and and won that battle handsomely against. Sean Dyche is, you know, a very respected Premier League manager for good reason. And Mourinho kind of pulled his pants down. So Chelsea's next. How are you feeling about that one? Oh, God. Um, so contrary to everything I've said so far, um, 
uh, Chelsea Lampard's Chelsea are really interesting to me because they are putting up pretty decent results and people are excited about them and Lampard is bringing through young players because he's sort of forced to because of their their transfer ban that's now lifted um but I think that they there are some huge flaws in their approach to the game and I think that this Chelsea side be very easily undone by a deep defensive block I think that's what we've started to see recently uh, and so this is definitely one where, yep, yeah, dire into Soko, sit deep, smash the ball long. And I think that, that we will really damage Chelsea that way. There's a really like, uh, on top of that, there's like a really like fun narrative story that will come out of that about like how Mourinho parks the bus against his old um, star yeah. talisman Lampard. And then like, I think that with that discussion growing with so many eyes on like Mourinho undoes Lampard with the parked bus thing is that like it will then encourage more teams to play defensively against Chelsea and and open up. Um, third or fourth place for us that way. I think also, th- and this might be very simplistic, they had a lovely run earlier in the season when they were just playing the same team over and over again. Then they got a couple of injuries and more importantly, some of the young players who haven't played at this level before were getting tired yeah. uh, and they had to come out of the team and suddenly they've got four defeats out of five in the league, which is oh, well. you know, shocking, shocking four. I didn't realise it was that um, bad. Okay. Yeah, so they've lost to uh, City, West Ham, Everton and Bournemouth. Of course. Uh, so not all good teams either. Like I'd say, one good team out of out of that those four. Um, so that that's been hugely problematic, and they now don't know what their best team is. So there's so many like selection headaches. Pulisic came in and did well, but is he going to play over like Mount or should Hudson Odoi come back in? Willian's form suddenly dropped off as well. At the back, they got Tomori injured, but they don't know who their best sort of central defensive pairing is. So we're kind of playing them a really good time. And it wouldn't surprise me to see uh, Mourinho get one over on Lampard. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And this is the game that he just won't want to lose for for reasons, narrative reasons as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that that their their play. Yeah, the injuries may well be a result of the like super high intensity game style. And I think that they've been like blowing teams away quite a bit with simply their their pace and their aggression. Um, and I think that that can really limit them when, or probably has now, four and five. Uh, limited them when they come up against just set defenses because, like, if you just sprint into a wall, it doesn't budge. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that they can really be undone that way. You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out. He's great. great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.